Chapter 17 The first thing Colt noticed was the music. What kind of woman strips to the Alan Parsons project? The answer to this appeared in red strobing lights, framed between two chrome poles on a marble-top stage in the center of the room. No one is who. No one strips to the Alan Parsons project. Instead, sitting on her knees and staring into her phone, the dancer just chewed gum to the song. Her red lips and feather boa glowed in the light from the tiny screen. There was no one sitting at the stage, and really, there was no one at the tables either, but all of them were littered with empty bottles and overflowing ashtrays. Smoke swam at the ceiling. The dancer looked up at him as the door closed with a thud. She gave him a once-over and went back to her phone. It was a shame. This was a romantic song, Colt thought to himself, but he figured the girl didn't even know its meaning, or who sang it for that matter. Across the room was a bar almost the exact shape of a fast food counter. The cash registers had been torn out and replaced with beer tap handles. A few baskets of pretzels were arranged along it and looked untouched. What little commotion he could hear over the music came from the bar. Two boys were standing around behind it while an old woman waved money at them. She had begun to tap at the ceiling above her with her cane. She was horribly old and definitely thirsty. The two bartenders seemed to be arguing while discreetly motioning to a couple huddled together at the far stools next to the restrooms. Some kind of half-dragon, half-woman creature had taken a knee and was closely consoling an aging greaser. At first, it looked like she was trying to give him a blowjob. She had dreadlocks in an array of colors that blocked most of the man's chest and lap from sight. The girl was covered in chains and torn apart nylon. She had shoulders like a linebacker. If she was trying to get at the man, she would undoubtedly succeed. But then she rose and stepped away, reaching for the napkin dispenser on the table behind her. Colt looked deep into her cleavage before noticing the biker on the stool was laid out like a thrown pillow, with a blade coming out from between his ribs. His arms hung over the backrest, and his legs looked filled with straw. His neck was covered in blood that spilled from his mouth, and the blade lifted and fell as he gagged and coughed. The blade looked big enough to kill a shark. Somehow, the man was still drinking a bottle of beer, but he nearly tipped it over each time he set it down. His hands were shaking badly. There was something in the room the man's eyes were following, something that seemed to be flying around and speaking to him. He occasionally smiled and laughed, pointing a trembling finger off into a shadow and muttering to himself. Then his eyes would find the dragon girl in front of him, bent and cleaning his wound, and his eyes would fill with the burden of reality. Then they'd widen and stiffen, blocking any emotion. The girl was talking to him while kissing at the blood on his neck and resting a hand just below the blade. Colt found the whole scene far too sobering. 
The words of the song alluded to the false remedies of romance. The girl on stage was oblivious to the man dying in the corner. Even the old woman waving her money didn't seem to notice. Far in a back corner, Colt could see the figure of death standing in the shadows, a pointed hood over his face, the blade of his scythe resting on the floor. He pulled off his sunglasses and squinted to make sure he wasn't just imagining this. He was. It was just a coat rack and a few broken umbrellas. He walked over to the bar. The dragon girl didn't look up from the man's wound until Colt threw his gun down on the bar like a set of keys and plopped down on a stool, snapping his fingers at the bartenders. Hey, get me a Miller Lite, he said. Becca looked Colt up and down while crouched on her knees. Then she stood up. She was enormous. She towered over him. She put a hand on her hip and squeezed her wad of bloody tissues. She had two different color eyes. Colt stared up at her, trying to decide which color he liked more. Then she punched him in the face. Although he had no intentions of thanking her for it, the blow was just what he needed to sober himself up enough to think. He laid on the floor, examining the grain pattern of the stool posts. The lights were actually spinning, but also in reverse. They were making him dizzy. Now he was flat on his back, and she was standing over him, with one long leg on either side of his hips, straddling him. She had his gun pointed right into his face, but he looked beyond the barrel, hoping to see up her skirt. She had a tattoo of a snake, wrapping itself all the way down her left leg. The snake met eyes with Colt right above her ankle. It looked just like the snake in his tattoo, and was just as long. He couldn't see where it ended. Becca lowered the gun, pressed it into his nose. She was bent at the waist, and from here he could see directly down her shirt. It was a powerful image. Her breasts were pale as milk. He felt the cold metal chill of the gun barrel and smiled to himself, realizing he almost died alone on the road, run over by a semi or flipped end over end in a ditch like some raccoon or blown out tire. But no, this was much better. To die looking into the eyes of an angry, beautiful woman. He looked up from her chest and into her blue and yellow eyes. They were filled with tears. She removed the gun from his nose and smacked him in the temple with it. It should have hurt considerably, but at this point, Colt barely noticed. She poked him in the chin with the gun and spit her words into his face. You're the shit they sent us, she asked. Colt rubbed his temple. It took him a moment to realize where he was and why. He swatted the gun out of his face and propped himself up on his elbow. Yeah, he said, coughing. I'm here about the stabbing. I saw the blood trail out back. I figured I was too late. But it looks like at least one of them's left. He nodded to the biker who'd begun humming along with the music. And he looks about as dead as it gets. So what do you even need me for? Becca frowned. It made her look young. Colt realized he was talking to a teenage girl, someone unfamiliar with the simpleness of death. She wasn't angry. She was afraid. 
She dropped the gun onto his chest. Then she turned back to the old man and ran a hand through his hair. Colt brought himself to a seated position on the floor and rubbed at his eyes, feeling slight remorse for how he'd been acting. He rose to his feet and fastened the gun back to his belt. He clicked on his shoulder radio. It gurgled with static. He held it close to his chin and wiped a bit of blood from its speaker box. The boys behind the bar were staring at him. Dispatch, this is 422, he said. Becca was bent over in her stool, digging through her purse. She watched Colt stumble with the radio in his hands and rolled her eyes. The radio buzzed and beeped before a yelling voice came through. 422, what the fuck is going on? Where the fuck are you? Colt gave an embarrassed shrug to the bartenders before coming up with an answer. I'm at Duke's, he said. I've got one stabbing victim badly in need of attention. The other, I suspect, is already dead. What the fuck are you still doing there, the dispatcher grumbled. Get the victim to a hospital, you asshole. Colt shook his head. He picked up a beer and drank from it. It tasted like blood. She must have broken a tooth. What the fuck do you mean, Colt argued. I'm here. Send a goddamn ambulance. What the fuck do you expect me to do? I'm on a motorcycle. I thought I was on crowd control. You thought wrong, the dispatcher said. I got no cars. Nothing. You put that victim on your bike, and you get their ass to medical attention right now, or I'll have you both arrested. Colt took another long drink. I'm not fucking around, the dispatcher yelled. You're all I got for 200 miles. It's 2.30 in the morning, and you can't seem to keep your goddamn radio on. I'm making this your problem, 422. So fix it. The radio snapped off. The dispatcher had hung up on him. Colt clicked at his speaker, but no sounds came out. Becca shook her head. And just as the music stopped, Jeff coughed loudly and shot up onto his feet standing to drink the last of his beer. The knife stuck straight through him like an arrow. He finished the bottle and set it on the bar. He blinked and looked around, wiping his bloody nose. That was a good song, Jeff said with a smile. Now let's get the fuck out of here.